0: Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. So nice to be with you. Uh, My name is Pete Gregg, as you uh, have heard. And um, I just, you know, I'm here because I just think that what God is doing um, through the message is... Um, one of the most exciting things in the country. I, I often say, Lord, if we had works like this in every city, I think we'd be in revival. Uh, it's just stunning. And the theme of this um, conference, as you know, this time together, is uh, Here I Am. And uh, Andy Hawthorne has written this, this, uh, this, this book about that, that theme. And, of course, it's from uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And it's extraordinary, uh, as we know, all that God has done uh, since Andy first said, here I am to God, back in, I think it was in 1988 or 87 or something like that. And, and, and you, you know the sort of the stats, uh, but all around the world, people are being impacted as a result of his obedience uh, in schools and in prisons and in some of the most broken uh, estates. Five bands, like River and Robots, who just led us in worship. Like Soulbox, who just sang then. Uh, 52 Eden teams, international hubs. I was in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Vancouver a few months ago, and talking to this guy, and I found out he's, he's like one of Andy Hawthorne's guys. I'm thinking they get absolutely everywhere, these people. Four buses, social enterprise, and countless lives changed and so um, you know some people invite you to come and speak and you think oh maybe I will maybe I won't but when Andy Hawthorne does you always want to do it because this is something that God is doing and I know you're here today uh, for that reason uh, too. I find that as I travel around um, something is changing in the nation one of the privileges I have in what I do is I do get to travel a great deal and, and see different things. And a number of uh, shifts are taking place in the United Kingdom. And uh, things that we would not have seen five years ago, we are starting to see. And one of them is is that we we are seeing um, people seem to be becoming Christians easier. Um, You won't read about this in the newspapers, but everywhere I go, and 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 I say to people, hey, I'm noticing this. Are you experiencing this? Everywhere I go, they're saying, yeah, we are finding... People are giving their lives to Jesus easier than they were five, ten years ago. um, At our church in Guildford, I I, preached the Gospels, I often do, Uh, um, a little while ago, a few weeks ago, and uh, gave an invitation for people to respond, and everyone had their eyes shut, and I think a couple of people put their hands up, and uh, so it wasn't like revival, but I was coming out afterwards, and our 17-year-old son said to me, Dad, um, how many people put their hands up? And I said, oh, only two. And he looks at me and goes, Dad, it isn't only two. Every single one counts to Jesus. I'm <laughs> like, Oh yeah, you know, Pharisee, you know, and I kicked him. But <laughs> but then he said to me, When did you last preach and no one gave their lives to Jesus? And I, I it's at least five years since that That happened. And I I remember a time where you'd often preach and no one would respond, but it's something is changing in the nation. People are getting hungry and thirsty and asking really big uh, questions that that, that matter. And, um, you know, we had a guy um, two weeks ago. He's um, got terminal cancer. He's in hospital actually preparing to have his foot amputated. And he He's quite new to faith, and he said to the nurses, I wanna get out of hospital and go to church uh, this morning. This is uh, two Sundays ago, I wanna to get to church. And they're like, what are you talking about? Are you about to have your foot amputated? He said, I need to get to church. And they thought he was going to the pub, and in the end, they, sort of, they couldn't stop him, so he left. And he just rocked up at church. And my wife prayed with him and one or two others. And um, it wasn't like a great, like, dramatic sort of prayer time, but prayed. And he went back into hospital, and the next day began to prepare him for his surgery, and they did the pre-checks, and then they did some more checks, and they got a consultant, and they got another consultant, and they said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your foot anymore. We can't amputate it because there's nothing wrong with it. What's happened? And he said, I went to church. They said, we really thought it was the pub. And... Uh, And, and, you know, is this everything we're praying for? No, but is it something? You'd better believe it. And so everywhere I go, I'm seeing uh, the the, the seasons are changing. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I know there's a long way to go, but it is an encouraging time. I'm seeing a phenomenal growth of prayer everywhere I go. Um, Andy uh, kindly mentioned, you know, the thing I got hijacked by. We just started praying in one prayer room you know, almost 20 years ago now, and now we're in over half the nations on earth. But one of the things that interests me is like tomorrow morning, I'm speaking at Poynton Baptist Church on my way out. And uh, hello, Poynton. And, and uh, um, someone wrote to me and just said, um, we, uh, today, actually, this t- 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 Saturday, uh, we're launching a week of 24/7 prayer, and so it's timely that you're coming in. And I, and 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 the things people just sort of say that, but what we forget is, I, many of you will be like me. You can remember when you had to go to South. Korea or Argentina to see night and day prayer, and no one could imagine it ever happening anywhere in the UK, and it's now becoming normative in churches to pray night and day, sometimes for a week, sometimes for a month. It's extraordinary. I mean, that's true, isn't it? People with, with, with the Archbishop of Canterbury's initiative, we're seeing even funny little rural churches rising up, praying night and day. There is a growth In prayer. Uh, The Thy Kingdom Come initiative, many of you will have been involved with, uh, started three years ago with five cathedrals. And this last year on Pentecost Sunday, we were in 80, I think it's four or 85 different countries. And in this country alone, we had 1.4 million people all praying together, gathering, saying, come Holy Spirit. So something is happening. This isn't someone at the front hyping you up. This is actually happening on our watch. Our prayers are getting answered. Something is beginning to shift. There is more than enough for us to be encouraged by that if God can do this, what might He do next? Does that make sense? And so uh, we, we see a lot, a lot that's, that, that's going on. And uh, what excites me is that anyone who's studied revival, and uh, Andy mentioned William Booth earlier, but anyone who's studied revival, you notice there are certain hallmarks, certain markers when a, a movement of the Spirit begins to happen. Uh, in a society, and right now I've gone through the checklist, they're all happening in the United Kingdom. We are seeing increased prayer. That's where it always begins. We're seeing increased Christian unity, for sure. We're seeing more people becoming uh, Christians. There was an article in the Times newspaper. A government research has found that over the last three years, atheism is declining. Church attendance, the number of people who say they pray regularly, is increasing. And the, the Times is going, what's going on? Because, of course, the messaging that's coming out is atheism is kind of the new religion. It's declining, people, and people come. This is, th- that's not Christian news. That's like actual news is reporting this stuff. Uh, and and so is, is it everything we're praying for? No. Is it something you'd better believe it? And the way it works is this. You do not pray ex nihilo. You do not pray out of nothing into something by clenching your buttocks and trying to believe a hundred impossible things before breakfast. The way it works is this. You hunt around your life your family, your school, your workplace, to find what is the little thing that God has done. And you rejoice in it. You celebrate the sparks of what God has done by pouring petrol on them. Right? And you say, God, if you can do this then I believe you can do this. We find faith for the things that God hasn't done yet by celebrating and praying more, Lord, into the things he has done. So it's important to gather like this and tell the stories that encourage our faith. Amen? So, you know, we're at the start of something, and uh, I think we can be mildly encouraged, even as uh, English people gathered here today. (laughs) By the way, I got into real trouble on social media by saying that I was looking forward to being in the Midlands and mentioning Manchester. You're not the Midlands, is that right? What are you? You're the North. What's what's like Newcastle? Is that the proper North? Like what? So you'd be, anyway, okay, I know that was helpful. Uh, Quite a strong reaction on social media to calling you the Midlands. Um, let's look at the Bible passage that uh, is kind of, um, has given the name to this day together, Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 to 9 of Isaiah 6, and what I'd love us to do, if you're able to do so, could we stand out of reverence for the Word of God as we read this together now? Isaiah 6, 1 to 9. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory." At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth, and he said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go. Go. Amen. Do be seated. If you're Anglican, thanks be to the the Lord. I know, some of you felt the need. The call of Isaiah, this extraordinary encounter with God, this moment of sanctification, this moment of commissioning, begins with this this fascinating phrase, in the year that King Isaiah died. I saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, Uzziah had reigned for 52 years. Okay, just um, imagine what's going to happen in this country when Queen Elizabeth II dies. It's The whole nation is going to go into mourning, right? It's going to be a vast moment because she's reigned for such a long time. Uzziah has been king for 52 years at a time where people died much younger. This was an unheard of length of stability from a monarch. 52 years, and he dies. So this isn't just a nice little bit of, oh, I'll give you the date, and then I'll tell you about Isaiah's call. No, no, the fact that it is when Isaiah dies means this is a time that the nation is being shaken It is a time of great change, great fear, great insecurity, people asking deep questions. It is a national calamity that Uzziah has died. Uzziah's name means the Lord is my strength. So here we have this innocuous statement in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord. But you could paraphrase it, in the year that the strength of the Lord, remember that's what his name means, the year that the strength of the Lord dies, I saw the Lord. Or the year that the king, Isaiah died, I saw the king of kings. There's something that happens when a nation is made insecure, a nation is shaken, that brings us into a space of revelation and of encounter and of commissioning and of sanctification. And if you hadn't noticed, we're at a time where our nation is being shaken. This is an opportunity for the gospel. I once did a little survey. looked back at, you know, some of the great movements of the Spirit, whether it's the Wesleyan one, whether it's Azusa Street. And there were often... In fact, I think almost always great national disasters and crises before the great outpouring of the Spirit, there is something about the shaking of a nation that primes people for encounters with God. And so whilst we need to pray about things like Brexit, we need to engage, we also need to understand as Christians, uh, as subjects not just of, of, of the Queen but of the King of Kings that there is another narrative and this is a time for us to be bold with the gospel this is a time for us to pray with faith this is a time of opportunity because people are starting to realize shock horror maybe the politicians don't have all the answers maybe the economy isn't as stable or as secure as we thought, with the governor of the Bank of England making statements about house prices, going to tank and all the rest of it. And so people are starting to ask profound questions about life and we just heard that Uh, beautifully illustrated in Stephen's testimony earlier who but Jesus can break in to someone's life like Stephen with his background with gangs and drugs and prisons and then bring him to this place where he stands in front of you lot and says I just love the Bible I want to learn about the Bible I want to work for the church this is salvation breaking in when we are shaken God steps in Maybe you're here today at a time of shaking in your own life, in your own circumstances. Maybe some of you nearly didn't come today because of the pressures that you're under and you thought, it's I, the last thing I need. But it is often when Isaiah dies, when things shake, that God breaks in. When people we love die. When projects we believed in fail. When money is low, when the vision is Jesus, but Easter Sunday is taking a long time to come around, these are times to press into God. Don't just ride out the storm and think, I'll do the God bit once I've got through the crisis. No, 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 no. The crisis is the time to push into the storm. Push into the shaking. At the time where Uzziah dies, you are primed to see the king of kings. Appeal to a higher authority. Times of shaking are times of profound encounter. Let me just be super personal and practical about it. Let me tell you the story of just a couple in our church. Um... Their name's Fenton and Sammy, uh, a lovely couple. And I think I I might have, is there a picture coming up on the screen of Fenton and Sammy? I don't know if that's come through. Oh, there they are, yeah, behind me. So here's Fenton and Sammy. Fenton and Sammy, I won't go into the details, but they came on Alpha in our church. They were sort of slightly bullied into it, and they came, and they sat through it, and they liked the food, and then they liked the people, and they quite liked some of the chat, and they began to open up to God and um, Fenton hasn't done a job for a long, long time, and and, um, there came the Tuesday night, that's when we do Alpha, that they took my wife aside, she runs our Alpha course, and they said, we wanna show you something, and they got a little um, black and white photograph scan out of Sammy's purse, and they said, "This we haven't shown anyone this before, but this is a baby that we had, um, and uh, she she was she was stillborn, she, she, uh, and and they just began to weep as they talked about the death of this baby, and they still the one thing they had was this scan they carried around, and." They said, you, you say that God loves us, and um, if we become Christians, will, will God help us to have another baby? I don't know what, I don't know what would you say. My, my wife said, yeah, God loves you. He'll hear your prayers and all that. So that's what she said. And, 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 and they said, yeah, well, we're gonna trust God's goodness. And, and eventually they, they became Christians. And so we baptized them in a paddling pool um, July before last. And um, I still remember we baptized uh, Fenton. You can see he's a big lad. There's quite a lot of water displaced. And then it came around to Sammy's turn. And by this stage, Sammy was pregnant. And, and we knew that this wasn't just the excitement of being pregnant. This was a moment of trusting God, that it was even linked to her getting baptized somehow, that they were saying, we're trusting God for this child. And so she said, I don't want to be lowered backwards into the water. Can I, is it okay if I just kneel down and you pour a bucket of water over my head? And we said, yeah, of course. She said, I just want to really care for this baby. And so uh, she knelt down in the water and we poured a bucket of water over her head and you know, she gave her life to the Lord and we're all celebrating and cheering. The next day, that baby died in her womb. It's not what you expect to hear from the preacher at the front, is it? But that's the reality of the stuff we deal with as real people. I was so angry at God. So she was in hospital. You know, they put you on the drip. You have to give birth to this stillborn child, asking questions about everything. I'm saying to God, God, I just don't know why I bother doing PR for you sometimes, telling everyone that you're good and you're faithful, and they've given their lives to you, and you feels like you've let them down. By the way, if some of you are saying that it's outrageous, read the Bible. The Bible's full of these kind of prayers why is it the Bible's more honest than the church half the time? People lamenting, angry, questioning God. And it never got removed from the text. They left it in there because this is what it's like to be a Christian, to have a real faith. At times, I'm like, God, I'm fed up with you. And um, so my wife, Sammy, uh, also called Sammy, confusingly, zooms around to the hospital, and she's there. Do you know... The first two people at, at, at Sammy's bed, Sammy and Fenton's bedside in the hospital. It was my wife and Bill, who's one of the pastors in our church. He turned up and he said to the nurse, I need to go in and see um, Fenton and Sammy. And they said, who are you? Are you a relative? He said, no, I am their pastor. And they said, oh, so they went in. And they said, your pastor is here to see you. And Fenton and Sammy said, um, what's a pastor? They said, we think it's like a church leader. And they said, we've got a pastor, show them in. They were just so excited to find out who it was. And like, oh, it's Bill. No, that's Bill, you know. And Bill and my wife, Sammy, were there, like weeping with them. And them, I don't know if it was right or not, but my wife said, Pete's really angry at God about this. And they said, oh, is it okay to be angry at God? We feel quite angry. And she said, yeah, I think you should feel pretty angry. And so we processed these brand new Christians through feeling angry and disappointed. And then we had the funeral service, and the, the coffin was the size of a shoebox. And, and, and white, and it was carried into the crematorium chapel. And the thing is, when their previous baby had its cremation, had her cremation. Her name was Imogen. There was only three people in the chapel, Sammy, Fenton, and one relative. But this time the chapel was packed with people from our church, all of us just weeping. And Fenton and Sammy had chosen worship songs that they had learned in their few weeks as Christians, and we played them on a stereo, and they're there trying to sing their hearts out to God and looking at this shoebox and, and, and I'm like, God, you're the only hope we've got in life, but why does stuff like this happen? And then the baby's cremated, and then the helium balloons go off, and it's not like the movies, one of them got stuck in a tree, you know. And, and I said to Fenton and Sammy, Don't you just question God's love? I mean, I'm meant to be their pastor, right? And they said, no, we don't question God's love. I said, how come? They said, oh, you lot. I said, what do you mean? They said, you show us God's love. No one's loved us the way you guys have loved us. You know? You were there at the funeral. We're loved. And we think that must be God, because... You're the people who tell us about God, and you love us. No one else ever loved us like this. There are times you will not find the love of God anywhere but in the community of Christ. That's why when you suffer, when you shake, when Isaiah dies, don't isolate yourself from the fellowship. Push into fellowship. Fast forward a number of months, and Fenton and Sammy come and see me. They sit on the front row at church every week, always in the same seat. They said, we're pregnant again. And I don't know about you, but I suddenly had all these mixed emotions. There's, yay, you know, fist bumps. And then there's part of me going, oh, no, what happens if this baby dies again? And that's why when I was trying to decide one photograph to summarize last year, and everything that I believe the kingdom of God and the gospel is about, I chose this picture coming up now. That is Maximus who was born and we dedicated him to Jesus just a couple of weeks ago and he's alive and he's healthy and he's a messy miracle and I don't understand why we have to suffer I don't understand why babies die I don't understand the pain in this life but I do know that if you don't have God it's all meaningless but if you have God you have hope if you have God there is some hope not just for this life but for the next the gospel of Jesus breaks in and through communion of Christian love shows that he is alive and what can be more miraculous than a baby that is born, amen? Okay, so I'm just sick of the everything's easy testimonies. That's, a, that's the real stuff, isn't it? That we're all dealing with the questions and the doubt and the mess, but also the miracle and the wonder of life. Life is not magnolia, it is not beige, it is too messed up and too incredible for anything but God, Amen. And so uh, it is often in the shaking of life that we encounter God. Fenton and Sammy encounter God through shaking. They have experienced Him. The greatest need of every person is to encounter the living God who loves them. Some of you will um, know that um, there's a, a... a little story I tell, after I finished writing uh, one of the books I, I wrote, I was exhausted and, um, and, and just, you know, wanted to, you know, I, all I wanted was to collapse into a sofa and, and you know, recover. And I'd hardly seen Sammy, my wife, and our two sons for ages. And uh, I decided that when I finished this book, there was a particular pub near us that we were going to go to. And uh, there was swings and slides for the kids, and there was a sofa for me. And so, uh, i called the boys in they were little then so one sat on each uh, knee and we said a prayer we sent the manuscript off to the publisher we got in the car we drove to this pub i collapsed into this big leather sofa glory to god and i said to the kids behold the lord has provided swings and slides go forth enjoy take as long as you want who here thinks that sounds good And so the the boys run towards the door of the pub. I can see the swings and slides through the window. One of them goes straight out, and I see him running towards the swings and slides. The other one gets to the door, watches his brother running towards the swings and slides, looks back at me, looks out at his brother. Then he slowly walks back towards me, and I think, oh, no, he needs to go to the toilet or something. And then he looks up at me, and he said some words that sucked the air out of the room. He just looked up and he said, Daddy, I've missed you and climbed into my arms and put his little podgy arms around my neck. And he didn't go out to the swings and slides. He just spent the whole time cuddled on my lap, breathing quietly in and out in my arms. And I, I cannot tell you how deeply that ministered to my father's heart. Meanwhile, I'm watching his brother on the swings and slides. In that moment, the boy in my arms didn't become more... Uh, my, my, my son than the other one. I didn't start to love him more than the other one, but he ministered to me. And so one of the great invitations of stepping into relationship with God as Fenton and Sammy uh, have done, as Stephen has done. It isn't, first of all, that we go out and do all this great stuff. It's that we get pulled into the arms of the Father. Isaiah is drawn into the presence of God. And the first thing uh, that we're invited into is the presence of God. It's when uh, Andy Hawthorne was drawn into the presence of God in 88 and said, here I am, then he gets sent out. And it is from the arms of the Father, from the love of the Father, we're sent out to bring Bring that love to the rest of the worlds, and um, a time of shaking. Therefore, is this time of invitation into encounter with God, but it is also a time of commissioning out to take the good news of God into his uh, world and we see that here's Isaiah and he's caught up in heaven he's seen God there's seraphim and cherubim and angels saying holy 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 and things are shaking and smoke is coming it's a pretty amazing moment and he's there going woe to me I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips my eyes have seen the king it's a dramatic moment But God is not there going, with everything worshipping him, going, yeah, thank you very much, thank you. And God's not there staring in the mirror, admiring himself. God, as we look at him, God is looking at us. God is looking at the world. God is looking at creation. And his heart is breaking. He's saying, who can I send? Who will go? And Isaiah looks around and realises... I don't feel qualified, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips, but I guess I'm gonna have to volunteer. And so he says, here am I, send me, and God, having cleansed him, sends him. That is the transformational moment. In a time of shaking, we're drawn into the presence of God. That is the wonder of the Gospel whether it's Fenton and Sammy being drawn into the love of God, whether it's that image of climbing into the lap of the Father, we're drawn into the presence of God through our suffering, But we don't just live there, cuddled up to the Father. He sends us out. Who can I send? Who will go? That's what I love about the message. Uh, On one hand, you've got rivers and robots leading people into the arms of the Father. Worship, relationship with God. Stephen studying the Bible and saying, you know, uh, my whole way I'm viewing myself and the world and everything else is changing in the truth of God. being drawn into the presence of God. But it doesn't end there because the message says, now we must go to those who don't yet know him, those whose worlds are being shaken, who don't have the hope of the gospel, those whose babies are dying and don't have the hope of a loving father and a loving community to turn up at the funeral. We must go to those hearts whose hearts are breaking for the Father still stands in heaven surveying the brokenness of of, uh, sink estates and those in prison and kids who are harming themselves. And who can go? Who will I send? And so we... Feeling inadequate like unclean men and women say, here am I. If you can use me, send me. Thank God that Andy Hawthorne said that all those years ago, Andy and Michelle. Thank God that they're still, after all these years, saying, here am I, send me. And so we're here to pray and say that same thing today. And so what I'd love us to do is actually... um, to stand quietly in just a moment and each one of us make a personal response to the Lord to say, here am I, send me. And the way I want us to do this, have we got any Methodists in the room? Any, me- yes, brilliant. Keep your hands up, keep your hands up. It's like the Holy Spirit's broken out all over the room. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, can you take your hands down now? So Methodists are gonna like this. The first Sunday in January every year. Beautiful tradition that goes back to John Wesley himself. One of the most beautiful pieces of, of Wesleyan liturgy is the Methodist Covenant Prayer, in which Methodists around the world say, Here I am. Rededicate themselves to God. Rededicate themselves. Here I am, draw me into your arms. Here I am. Send me into your world. And I was just sensing this morning that maybe we should pray this prayer that does go back to John Wesley himself there in the 18th century. And each one of us make that commitment afresh again. Here am I. Send me. Because really this day isn't about the message trust. This day is about each one of us leaving here. More available to be used by God in our prayers, in our witness, in our giving, in our workplaces, and all the rest of it. So, I'm going to put the words up on the screen in just a second, but I'd like you just to take a moment first, just to focus on the Lord. Remember that vision of Isaiah. This is God, holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lord God Almighty. He's a loving Father, but He is also a holy God. And we are here in His presence. And just before we pray this prayer, I want to give you a moment. It may be that there are things that, like Isaiah, you just want to get right with God. Remember, he says, "I'm a a man of unclean lips; I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips." And maybe just thoughts or words, deeds, attitudes—you just want to say, "God, I'm sorry." about God sends that angel with the burning coal just to cleanse Isaiah's lips. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. The Bible says that you are clothed in Jesus' righteousness. And so now aware of the holiness of God, what I'd love us to do is to stand and use this prayer of Wesley as a way each one of us making ourselves available again and saying to the God who says, who can I send, who will go? Saying, "Here am I, send me." So let's stand together, shall we? So let's pray this together. This is a serious moment. Uh, this is a, a moment of, of of recovenanting ourselves, recommitting ourselves to being those who say, "Here I am, send me." So let's pray this together. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee, or lay aside for thee. Exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And so, holy God, worthy God, You who saved us, You are the hope of the world. You who look at the state of our nation at this time of shaking and your heart breaks and you say who can i send who will go as your people we want to say this to you today with all our hearts here we are lord here am i send me amen thanks for listening don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams